Corinne Schaefer, and welcome to Create Outside the Box. In this episode, we will be speaking with marketer, designer, educator, and nacho enthusiast, Alicia Yervis, to discuss how marketing is an art form, bringing your ideas to life, and being in charge of your own brand. If you're interested in watching our interview, please visit and subscribe to our Creative Operations YouTube channel under the playlist, Create Outside the Box. Alicia Yervis is the founder of Alicia Yervis Creative, a Jersey Shore-based agency focused on marketing and design for fun businesses and cool people. In addition to brand design and web design, Alicia and her team develop custom content strategies to help tell her clients' stories via social media marketing. The agency collaborates on many exciting projects for clients in the health, wellness, food and dining, and arts and entertainment industries, including art directing the Broadway cast album of the Tony-nominated musical, Be More Chill. Formerly, she served as the multimedia manager for both Count Basie Theatre and Two River Theatre in Red Bank. She has spent more than 15 years in the nonprofit arts marketing world, creating content for hundreds of artists and productions. So I'm happy to introduce Alicia Yervis. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. This is great. It's really going to be a fun chat, I think. And I love your coat. It's awesome. Thank you. I got dressed up as a little little leopard for you today. A little little diva in there. Very um, fall. Very fallish. Very fall. Exactly. <laughs> um, one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on, other than the fact that you're just an interesting, fun person, is I really believe that marketing is an art form. Mm-hmm. And one really great example I think of this is the artist Andy Warhol. And he of course, kind of spun everything on his head. He created art out of Campbell's soup cans, but he also built his own platform, Mm -hmm. um, which included Interview Magazine. Um, Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you, how do you see marketing as an art form? So I think with with anything that you want to learn about, you can always take courses. You can always read books. You can always, you know, um, subscribe to certain newsletters and listen to podcasts and, you know, develop your skill set. But I also think that with marketing and with storytelling really, which is kind of what marketing basically is, um, sometimes you just have a talent for it. Sometimes you're just good at it from the get go. Um, you know, even from, being young, you know, and maybe you don't know you're going to head into marketing, you're going to head into a certain career. But I think that, um, very often some people just have a knack for things, you know, they can come up with quick taglines. They know how something should look. They know what will resonate, uh, emotionally with someone who may want to buy something or go to a certain hotel or take a certain trip or see a certain show, um, you know, buy a certain product. Um, and so I think some of it can be learned and some of it you just have. Um, and when you have it, I think it's really important to, um, kind of try to teach others and try to share that knowledge and share that education. Um, I'm always learning from lots of, um, 
thought leaders and brand owners and, you know, uh, public speakers and entrepreneurs and stuff who, um, I feel are just really great at what they do. Um, I'm always getting ideas from different places when it comes to when I'm working on a marketing campaign or when I'm working on creating content for a brand or an organization. Um, but my whole life, I've always been told like, Oh, you're so good at that. Or you just, you're just good at figuring that out or how that should sound. Or even when, um, before I had my own business, when I was working in, um, the theater space, uh, or, um, even back in the day when I was a server at a restaurant or whatever, people were coming to me for ideas for things. Um, and saying, you know, even if I wasn't in their department, they would be like, can we just run this by you? Let's go talk to Alicia real quick. She's good at like hammering this stuff out. Um, so I don't know, you know, how much of it for me is, I just have always kind of felt pulled in this direction and kind of, you know, be able to snap things together. Um, and how much of it has been me learning because I didn't go to school for marketing. I didn't, you know, take on that path that just kind of happened, um, based on my comfort level and, and some of the stuff I had worked on. Um, but I absolutely agree that it's an art form. Like I so often will be watching TV or, um, you know, seeing, uh, flipping through a magazine, scrolling on social media or whatever. And I'll see something really clever that someone posted or the way they worded something or, um, something really fun that they did with the art direction or the photography or whatever. And so often I'm like, Oh my God, I wish I thought of that, you know, or, Oh my God, I wish, you know, that's so great. I, what an awesome art team to have worked on that. Or, you know, who was the creative director on that piece or what agency is that? Um, I just love stuff. Like I'm like nerdy about that, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think you hit on a couple of points is first off, like just like in the performing arts or the visual arts, there's an aspect that can be learned or, uh, finessed or refined, but there's also natural talent. And then mm -hmm. the really big point that you brought up early was storytelling. And at the core of all art forms is storytelling. And you're definitely a natural talent because as you were explaining, you know, you have your background in theater, you have all these different um, experiences that make you the great marketer and idea person, dream maker that you are. Um, and it's kind of like when you're doing marketing, you're putting on your own show because you are the director, but you're also like, you're in charge of all of these moving components. Like, how does it look? Who am I getting involved? Like, what's the cast? And in your cast, it might be, who are the art directors? Who's the creative director? You know, who's the company, but it's all about that storytelling. And it's all about having that emotional impact and connection with people, which is what good art's all about is having that emotional connection. And yeah, I think you're just, you're just great at that. And I think that your theater background also helps you with that. Cause that performer in you knows how to get that performance out. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I think that something that was really helpful for me that I learned early on once I got into marketing, like you know, career wise was that, um, people don't buy things, people buy feelings. So, you know, how are you making them feel about whatever the thing is or whatever the, the promotion is, the product, the place, the food, the whatever. Um, and yeah, have, having it be about them, you know, it's always about 
the, the person, um, the, the person in the audience that you're trying to reach and how your product or your show or your hotel or your shirt or your, you know, your service is going to make their life better, make things easier for them, bring them joy, be a positive thing for them, um, be a solution to a problem that they're having, or be, you know, the answer to a question that they have been asking or, you know, so how do you structure the, the messaging and the storytelling and the imagery and all of that to basically present yourself or present your product or your brand or your, your, your company as the solution to those things. Um, and I love your analogy of that marketing is like a show because it totally is. And, you know, there's, there can be some negative aspects to that too, where people think, you know, like, Oh, everything's all smoke and mirrors. You know, that product can't be that great as what they say, or, you know, that, that place, uh, that place can't be that great. Um, and I understand that too. And that's definitely something to, um, have to take into consideration as a business owner and as a marketer. Um, but you're totally right. It's, it's all of the, the pre-planning of what sets the stage for, you know, whatever you're trying to launch and whatever you're trying to sell and promote. Um, even going back to the actual marketing plan or the, the campaigns that you might make, because you have to kind of work backwards from certain important drop dates or important performance dates or launch dates or sale dates or whatever the thing is, and know that you have to be able to plan out so many impressions to get your messaging out there in a repetitive way. Um, so that, you know, by the time that the person is ready to buy a generator or a snow, a, a snow shovel, you know, you've been preloading your messaging this whole time, keeping your company front of mind so that when they're ready, when the season hits, that they're going to go to you, they're going to go to your hardware store or your shop or whatever. Um, and so I think, that's a big piece too of it, it's not so much an uh, art related thing per se, as much as it is a discipline thing. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think discipline is a part of art and discipline is a part of talent and, and, and growing your toolbox, um, of, of, uh, you know, expanding on the knowledge that you do have. I think having the discipline to be consistent, having the discipline to be consistent with your marketing, to know that anything that you post or mail out or share is never going to be the silver bullet. It's yeah. never going to be, you know, a, a set it and forget it, you know, kind of thing where, okay, I've posted about it. Everyone knows about it. Now all these sales are going to come. It's just not the case. There's too much traffic. There's everybody's competing for attention and, you've got to make sure to be consistent and jump and wave and keep reminding people that you're there. Which sounds exactly like performers because there's <laughs> a lot of competition and yeah, one audition or one piece of art is not going to make or break you. And mm -hmm. the only way you up your odds, so to speak, is exactly what you're saying. Consistency and discipline and the discipline helps the consistency because then it's not like, oh, you're just grabbing randomly at ideas or randomly like, how do I do this again? You have like a system in place and it becomes just like walking. It becomes a very natural thing, which then hopefully ups your odds for success and ups your odds for, for getting your story out and connecting to, to the audiences that you want to connect with. Yeah, I totally agree. I completely agree with that. Um, and I think that 
performers are marketers now, especially right now, um, having to do so much to, um, just what you were saying to keep themselves front of mind, keep themselves out there, make those connections. Um, and to know that they have a personal brand yeah, and that they need to get that personal brand out there. And I think, um, you know, lots of performers are comfortable, being out there and, you know, doing the thing and using the technology, but a lot of them aren't because, you know, maybe they've never had to before, um, or, you know, haven't had to use, uh, the technology and these tools in this way to truly market themselves 24, seven, 365, whether they're in a show or not, whether they're, you know, touring or not, whether they're auditioning or not, or whatever. It's, it's like, uh, blogging on steroids mixed with, (laughs) uh, networking and, uh, TMI, but in a good way. Um, and, and the, the curation of what your feed looks like and the curation of the content that you want to share as a performer or as an, as an artist. Um, uh, because I would include designers and stage managers and producers in that too, um, of, you know, the folks working behind the scenes still have a personal brand and still need to talk about, um, who they are as a, as a, um, as an artist, but also what are their values and who do they want to work with and what, you know, is their aesthetic and their style and, um, and who don't they want to work with and who don't they want to associate with, you know, like that is a very, um, tricky area. I feel now more than ever, um, because of the social listening that's always happening in the world. People are paying attention to who you're associating with and people are paying attention to the comments that you leave and the comments you receive and, you know, who's engaging with your content and all that stuff. Um, and so that's just an important thing to, uh, remember too, that while you're always, putting your stuff out there on social media and marketing yourself and marketing your skills and your background and your portfolio and all that stuff, um, of just making sure that everything is on the up and up (laughs) and that, you know, and it's, it's tough. It is tough. Yeah. I want to get to that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Um, you're getting right to all of the nuggets (laughs) of conversation that I want to get to, because I know that you're going to have some fantastic advice and fantastic things to say, but first I want to find out a little bit more about you. Okay. So we have a slight change here because it must be Mercury in retrograde because none of the technical equipment is working, but now we get to see more of your beautiful face. And speaking of you and your beautiful face, I'd like to know more about you and how you got into marketing. Sure. Um, So I went to uh, college and I was undeclared at first, um, trying to decide what the heck I wanted to do. Um, You know, I thought growing up like, oh, maybe I'll become a teacher or, you know, um, I really love to sing. Maybe I'll go that route. Um, You know, maybe I'll study communication. So for my first year or so, it was really kind of a mixed bag of me trying all these things. Um, and then long story short, um, I ended up not having a great experience at college. Um, I picked the wrong college (laughs) and, um, I 
had always loved theater. I always loved Broadway. I always loved going to see shows. I did community theater growing up and stuff like that. And, um, once I was in college and I had the freedom to kind of go to the city pretty much whenever I wanted, um, I would go in there and see shows and eventually, um, got into the rent head crowd, (laughs) um, and seeing that show like a bazillion times and, um, making long lasting friendships there that I still am, you know, friends with so many of those folks to this day. Um, and through that journey of going there all the time, um, and seeing that show all the time, uh, we would start to see concerts and other plays and things that the actors from the show were in. And through that, I met my voice teacher, um, who at the time was the rehearsal pianist for Rent. Um, and she connected me with this group of artists and individuals who I then, this was at the time when MySpace was like a new thing. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I kind of was helping her on MySpace a little bit and, you know, helping her market her shows and her concerts and things. And I didn't know anything about social media. I didn't even know what the phrase social media meant or what it was or anything. Um, but I just was doing it for fun on the side. Um, during this time I had moved to Brooklyn on my own cause I was trying to audition and do all these things. None of that worked out, ran out of money, had to move home. Um, and when I moved back home, uh, I ended up getting a job, um, in the box office of this concert venue here in New Jersey. And that was really fun and still doing the MySpace thing on the side for my friends in New York. And, um, then one day, uh, and I was working in, like I said, in the the box office and during the downtime, um, I was just thinking, you know, oh, well maybe the theater should have a MySpace page. Um, why not? So I just made one and I didn't ask anybody. I just did it. And, uh, and you know, the, the upstairs, uh, (laughs) the admin department kind of found out about it and said, you know, well, well, what is this? You know, what, why do we need this? We don't need that. We already have a website and I'm trying to tell them it's not the same thing. Um, there's this new thing, it's called social media. Um, and I started to get validated because, I would enter the shows like in at the time MySpace was like really big and they had an event calendar and stuff. So I'm listing the events there. And then I started realizing people were actually buying tickets from there and messaging that page and asking what time does the show start? You know, can I bring my kid, you know, all these kinds of things. And I started explaining to the upstairs how this is like a new thing. It's like a new way of communication. It's a new technology. And eventually they said, okay, so do you want to just come work upstairs in marketing? And, um, so that's what I did. So I ended up moving upstairs. I did group sales for a little bit too. Um, but then they eventually, and at this point, all of a sudden Twitter was there, all of a sudden YouTube was there, all of a sudden Facebook was coming out, um, and Instagram later after that. And as these new pieces of technology started coming out, they really started leaning into me and and seeing that it was important and that we were selling tickets that way. And people were engaging with us that way. Um, and so they basically turned me into like a, a one woman band kind of thing, um, set me up with a multimedia, uh, station and a new computer and put me through Photoshop training and all this stuff to, um, have me be able to edit videos, have me be able to make posters, have me be able to do the emails on the website and all these things. And then we were at the time, one of the only businesses really in the state who was using, who, who used social media for business. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and people started emailing my boss and being like, what is Twitter? How do you, what is this? How do you do this? Or, you know, how do you use this? And so then I started teaching workshops on behalf of the theater, teaching other arts venues and other businesses in the area, how to do all this stuff. And then it just kind of took off from there. And, um, yeah, I, I spent many, many years there doing that. And then I moved to a different theater, um, doing the same kind of work and even more so, um, much more social media and more, um, uh, email marketing campaigns. And I learned how to do Facebook ads and all this stuff. And, um, I was always helping people on the side too, you know, helping them with design or marketing stuff, or I'm, people always come to me, can I just pick your brain? Can I just ask about how to do this? Um, and forever people were telling me to open my own business. And I would just say like, what are you talking about? I don't know how to do math. I, there's no way. (laughs) Um, and I never thought about that. I never pictured myself as a business owner, but eventually I just decided to make the leap because I was getting too busy doing the side stuff. I couldn't keep doing both things. So I made the leap and that was, uh, a little over four years ago. And so now, um, I work full time for myself and we do marketing design, social media, art direction for all different kinds of businesses and entrepreneurs that are fun and cool people. And that are people that like what I was saying before about values and, you know, who you want to work with and who you want to associate with. Um, I'm very selective about who I work with and I love to be in a position to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. That was not always the case. Um, but I love to be able to get to know my clients and to really feel like we vibe and I connect with them. Um, and they're all friends. Like we, we love working together. And so it's so fun to make, to design their branding or to publish their website or to help them with the content strategy, um, that really feels like a reflection of who they are mm-hmm. and what their values are and what they believe in and, you know, putting their personality, um, on the page or on the screen. Wow. Okay. I have so many questions. There are so many <laughs> nuggets there that I kind of want to unearth. Um, first is just a very simple question. Um, you were saying at the beginning of this journey, part of it was your love of the musical rent that got you into theater, which ultimately got you into marketing and the storytelling. Oh, there's some rent there. Awesome. Yes. What, because you were involved in theater and you were involved in musical theater before rent came along. What was it about this particular show that just sparked something in you? Well, I remember I was in, I want to say, I want to say it was, I want to say it was freshman year maybe it was eighth grade. Um, and I had been, we didn't have a, at that time, we didn't have a computer in my house. We didn't have internet. Um, but I remember like seeing TV commercials or I think I saw posters at the local music shop where I would go and get CDs back in the day. Um, and I had seen the the artwork, the poster for it and, and the commercials for it. And it looks so different. (laughs) Right. Um, it looked so different. It sounded so different, um, from the diversity of the cast to the different musical, uh, different styles of music in, in the show to that. It sounded modern and current. Now I, I love all musical theater. I love Rodgers and Hammerstein. I love modern stuff, like no, you know, uh, pickiness with me there, but I had never 
heard something that was modern to me. Yeah. Like I remember listening to Jesus Christ Superstar and Evita and things like that. And my parents saying like, oh my God, this was so cool. Cause it was like a rock musical, but it was like in the seventies. Yeah. And you know, this was kind of like a rock musical for me for now. And I just, that idea was so cool to me and different. Even though I was young, I was like a nerd about all of these cast recordings. I would go to the library and rent out CDs and tapes, and then I would make tapes of them (laughs) and uh, things like that. And just like read the lyrics and the booklets and obsess and obsess and, um, you know, uh, collect playbills and, 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 cut out uh, ads in the paper and tape them around my room and all that kind of thing. And so when that album came out, um, I got it the day that it came out and it was a double disc set with the thing. And I just laid on my bed with my headphones and just like listened to the whole thing a thousand times. Um, And I just felt connected to it somehow, Um, even though I hadn't seen it yet. And it would be probably... I think it was probably two or three years before I actually saw it. Yeah. Um, and uh, a friend of mine at the time had um, his parents had won some charity thing. And so he was able to do a walk on role in it one time on Broadway. And I got to go see him do that. Well, um, so that was like amazing. And, um, and I had seen it a couple other times, but then, yeah, once I was in college, I felt like I identified and related to the characters much more because I was older and, um, you know, I just understood more of the story, um, than I did as a, you know, 12 year old or 13 year old or whatever. Um, and it just was so different. And plus learning the whole story of Jonathan Larson, which now tick, tick, boom is out. I cannot wait to go see it. Um, and everything that happened with him so tragically just added to the, mystique of the show um and then you know all of the the cast members just becoming superstars and exploding you know in their own way um and becoming like that like mythical status of like oh my god the original cast of rent you know it's Um, very inspirational whether Jonathan Larson or the cast or just the making of the musical. It's all very inspirational and it gives you like, okay, these people came from nothing. This show came from nothing and look how it exploded. It gives you that inspiration to do that yourself. Yeah. And it felt very, the, the show itself, and especially once I went to actually see it, it just felt so different. You know, there was no curtain. There was no, um, uh, it, it, it felt like it was for everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, the, it was street clothes, you know, it was very like grungy. Like you're walking down the street and you just happen upon the scaffolding. Um, and it was like, I just loved how it was, um, the design of it was like found objects and things like that. And I thought that that was just different and cool. Um, and of course too, like different moments throughout the show where they want you to interact and move with Maureen and all of that stuff. Um, again, just felt so different. And of course the message of the show, which is the most important thing, um, of, you know, no day, but today and, um, art and friendship and life and all of these things. Um, I just, I just connected to it. And then once I, realized like, oh, there's this whole community too of like actual real people who, yes, were 
nerds and, you know, are obsessed and, and sleep out in the street for tickets to sit in the front row. Um, and all of that craziness, I just felt so connected to all of them and to that whole experience. And, um, so many of the things that happened back in the day, like I look back on it now and I'm just like, I can't believe I did that. Or I can't, <laughs> I can't believe I, you know, I, I laid on the street or I can't believe we went to this place or, just so many adventures came out of that whole experience. And I think that speaks to the message of the show too. And the message of Jonathan and all of his friends and all of his um, community, you know, that he connected with and took care of and all this stuff as he tried to make his place in the world, just as they were all trying to do, just as everybody always tries to do. Yeah. And it's so funny because when that came out now, fast forward, we're talking about a lot of the same themes and you look at that show. And again, it is inclusivity. It's inclusivity with the casting. It's inclusivity in the storyline and the range of roles that are available, um, showing all different people from all different backgrounds. And like you said, and I think that this is very important for, for the arts to remember too, you felt part of it. Yeah. You felt part of it because of the emotional connection to the music and the story, but also because they literally made it interactive. They literally yeah. made you part of the story. And then you walked away from the theater and continued the story by, as you said, creating these memories and creating these adventures. And that's really what great art is about. And now in 2021, going into 2022, you know, we're going, okay, gee, we might have to look back at <laughs> the show called Rent and remember how great things can be when we are inclusive, not only with the audience, but with the type of stories and the cast and the people that we involve and what greatness we can achieve when we do that. Um, I, I totally agree. And I think that back at, at the time when that show started, when the sleeping out on the street was starting and the whole lottery ticket thing was starting, you know, come and, and wait in line. And then you can get ticket for 20 bucks to sit in the front row. You know, they, they had an accessible ticket price option. They had this wacky new thing they were going to do with this lottery system or the, 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 um, you know, sleeping out and first come first serve for these tickets. And I think that in and of itself was, a major learning point for productions around the world because people saw like, Oh, this show really cares about its fans. Number one. And number two, the whole story of the fans is like a separate story that ends up being a marketing piece about the show. Exactly. That, you know, it, they work together, um, back in that time and they kept that going, you know, the whole time that the show was running. I mean, they, they changed the process a little bit, but you know, you could always, get tickets in the front two rows for 20 for $20. Um, and now almost every show has some sort of lottery system or rush tickets or standing room tickets or some sort of affordable way. And I really think that there may have been some shows that had done it before then, but rent really was the, uh, putting the flag in the moon, you know, yeah. of like, <laughs> this is, this is a new thing. This is a new era. This is a new generation coming to theater. And I think that was like a huge wake up call for lots of theaters and producers. And, and that's still 
reverberate, reverberating to this day. Like I think of everything that Hamilton has done with the ham for ham shows that they were doing in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and that became its own thing <laughs> related to the show itself, but also like, Oh, I could just come stand on the street and, you know, I'm going to see a 10 minute show in and of itself, even if I don't get to see the show. Um, and that was all done for the fans. Um, and so many musicals I think are really now, well, they have been for years now, but I'm saying prior to rent, they really weren't. Um, now they're really understanding that there's these micro groups of really dedicated, intense fans. Um, and rent heads, you know, they had their name. Um, just as lots of musicians and bands and things now have their, you know, the Swifties and, you know, Taylor Swift's fans and, and all the little, all the little groups that are very, very productive of their, their art that they love and the artist or the show are very protective of them too. And it's cool. I think it's cool. Yeah. I think it's a good business model. I mean, I think there's a large portion of the performing arts that might need a refresher in this because um, there are definite art forms where the ticket prices, just even the base ticket price is much more expensive. And there are Broadway shows where for whatever reason, the ticket prices then go up to like $500 or something because of supply and demand. But I think as long as the performing arts are diligent about not having things get too out of hand with ticket prices and making sure that there are always tickets available that are accessible so that it's not an elitist art form. Cause there's a lot about going into New York and seeing a show or seeing any show um, that becomes elitist just because like the cost of getting in and the t- cost of the ticket. And then we wonder why some of these art forms are having problems. It's like, well, they forgot exactly what Rent was trying to tell us, which is that you need to think of those fans. You need to make tickets available. You need to make it easier for them to come and see the art and you will be rewarded. Um, And I totally understand because I've gone through financial spreadsheets that we cannot do everything for free and that it's very hard to get these shows off the ground and that there's pre-production costs and running costs and, you know, shows are expensive. But I think that if we invest in art and invest in audiences, we're going to win every time. And I just think that Rent's a really, really good example of that. And it's good to be reminded of that, especially now with Tick, Tick, Boom and all of these things where we're thinking back um, yeah. on what, what Jonathan Larson started. Um, yeah, and I, I think too that just one final point that, you know, with that particular show, it was, it, the show is about lots of people who have no money (laughs) and, you know, who are all really just trying to hang in there and help each other and be friends and try to scrounge together a few pennies to pay the rent, to get some food, to go see a show, whatever. And so to then put that show on Broadway or wherever you have to make sure that the show for, or the, the folks that the show is written about can come see the show. Exactly. And, you know, that was something so great that they made sure to do and made sure to do when the show then toured around the country and around the world too. Um, to my knowledge, it was part of their rider that no matter where the show was happening, the front two rows had to be reserved for rush seats, um, Mm -hmm. for 20 bucks. And I just think that that's great. And I, I hope they're still doing that to this day. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. So speaking of trailblazers, um, another question that I wanted to ask you is, so you kind of, you know, we're doing MySpace, you were doing all this stuff. Like, are you always so like ahead of a trend or kind of feeling? Cause that was really, you were really ahead of things on that. Well, thank you. You'll see the face I just made. Cause I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking, uh, no, but, but, um, I guess it's true to a point. I do, I do definitely feel like I always, I tend to always have a kind of clue about like, Oh, this person's about to be really famous in like a year, you know, or, Oh my God, this product is going to be the next thing, or this show is going to be huge. Mm -hmm. Um, or this trend is going to blow up. So I guess that is true. I guess I just don't think of myself like that, but I do recognize that in a lot of ways, even when, you know, clients or friends or family be like, Oh my God, you've been talking about this thing. Da, 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 da. You're so right. This show is great. Or, or, Oh my God, I'm seeing that everywhere now. Or thank you so much for taking me to that restaurant or, you know, like whatever. So I do think that's true to a point. I never really thought about it. Um, but in terms of like tech trends and, and things like that, um, I definitely, um, don't, uh, feel like I have, have been like that prior to now. Mm -hmm. Like now I feel like I'm always kind of listening to a point cause I'm trying to do other things too. But like, um, you know, I'll start hearing about a feature in an app that all of a sudden is going to explode. Like for example, reels, like Instagram reels, um, they're the bane of my existence in some ways because I, <laughs> they, I feel like they take too long to make and I don't have patience but I know that they're important and I know that, um, Instagram is really favoring them right now and trying to show them to lots of people. And I've been trying to get my clients to do them and they always do really well. But I remember before they blew up, before they became like basically Instagram's version of TikTok, mm -hmm. um, I started kind of just seeing little reverberations or a little heartbeat about this thing. Um, and I would talk to people about it. I would ask them about it like, what is that? I've never heard. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. And then all of a sudden it exploded, you know, and then it's like, Oh, this is that thing you were saying. So, um, you know, I think that that's definitely true to a point, but it's hard because I always tell my clients, like, there's always going to be a new social media platform, a new piece of technology, a new app, a new thing. There's always going to be the next big thing. And it can be overwhelming because, you want to be able to participate and be like a founding member or the first person to do a thing, but it also can burn you out so quickly because the fact that there's always going to be something new, you can't be everywhere at once and you can just get so overwhelmed. So I like to try to make sure that whatever the thing is gets a little longevity first. Like it has like a little <laughs> runway or trial period so that we know it's going to stick around and that we know it's like actually good and then try to dip your toe in the water. Um, but also to caution, uh, you don't have to be everywhere, you know, pick one or two social media platforms, get good at them, get comfortable, then start to think about like, okay, maybe I want to try TikTok. Maybe I want to try YouTube, um, is my opinion. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's, yeah, that's the way to go. Um, and speaking of new, things and creating things. I want to talk a little bit more about your business. You started saying that that's like the latest part of your journey, but, um, yeah, I want to know uh, more about your business. And you said you've worked with everything from, you know, theaters to stores to, um, 
acupuncturists and ceramic <laughs> uh, <laughs> shops where you can make your own things. But yeah, I want to hear more about that. And, and also you were saying on this journey, you've gotten to a point where you can pick your cast. So you are the director and you can pick the creatives around you who you want to collaborate with. Yeah. So, um, when I started, like when I had left my, my previous job and I started to do this full time, um, in the beginning, I wanted to help everybody. I wanted to take all the jobs. I wanted to help everybody. You know, I'm just getting started quote unquote, even though I really wasn't because I've been doing this stuff professionally in my job job, Mm -hmm. you know, for years. Um, I was new at owning a business, Mm -hmm. um, and getting my name out there and, and, letting people know like, hi, I'm doing this now. Um, which was also great too, because I had worked up excellent, um, connections and networks through the two theater jobs that I had that when people found out I was on my own, I got a lot of contact right away of like, Oh my God, I want to hire you for our, (laughs) our, you know, social media. Um, you know, we want to have a consultation meeting with you. We need to redo our website because they knew my work from, you know, my, prior jobs, which was great. And, and I feel very lucky to have had that kind of built in, you know, um, burst of, of contacts there. But when I first started, uh, running this business originally, I was just doing graphic design and social media management. So you could hire me to design your logo, you know, your business cards, all that kind of stuff. Or you could hire me to run your social media accounts. Um, you know, make them more exciting, more engaging, post the content for you, design graphics for it and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and, and also to, um, do email marketing, like sending out your, your email newsletters and things like that. And that was going well, but eventually, um, we kept getting inquiries about, uh, web design which was not my forte at the time. Um, I had designed my own site just through kind of teaching myself and I kind of felt comfortable enough to do that, but I didn't feel comfortable enough offering it as a service. Um, and so there were lots of people who, you know, are you doing websites? You're doing websites. And I had to keep turning people down for probably like a year, year and a half. Um, until eventually I felt like much more comfortable in that space and also to be able to partner with several team members who were able to do it, you know, and, and felt comfortable and with us collaborating together to make it how I wanted it, um, for, for whoever the client was. And so once we were able to add web design to our portfolio, that was great because we got several, um, large projects that came from that. And then I'm always reevaluating, um, you know, what do I want to do? What do I enjoy doing? What do I not enjoy doing? Um, and that kind of thing. And so we have, you know, evolved our service offering several times since then, where now our main, our three main things that we do are web design, brand design, and content strategy. And so I do less of the social media management now, Mm -hmm. um, because I, I still like to do it, but it's super involved Um, and when I'm doing it for multiple clients, it gets crazy. (laughs) Um, and it's very time consuming too, even with using different apps and schedulers and, you know, uh, Canva and calendars and all this stuff. Um, 
it gets to be a lot. So I do less of that now. I'm a little more selective, but the content strategy packages are great because they're where we sit with a client who wants to run the accounts themselves, but wants like a foundation or a plan or a guide to like help them be much better at it and to help it be cohesive to make sure like the, um, the aesthetics of the feed all look good, make sure that things are on brand. Um, you know, we come up with content pillars that are basically when they're creating their content, it's always going to be one of these seven or eight main categories, um, that they can post about because it's hard when you are not a social media specialist and you're trying to get information out about your restaurant or your store or whatever. And you're like, I don't know what to post. Here's a burger. Here's my burger again. Here's my burger again, you know, or sale, 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 sale. And it's like, no one cares about that because that's not a feeling. That's not a story. So yes, we want to promote the sale. We want to show off the burger that you made, but we need to interject other things that are relevant to your ideal audience and that are relevant to your brand and your messaging as well. So, you know, for example, if it's a restaurant, maybe we want to talk, maybe one of your content pillars is like your staff and your team. Maybe another is your culinary point of view. Like let's talk about the cuisine and why you have this type of cuisine and the ingredients and the vendors that supply them and how you prepare the food. Maybe another is the neighborhood that the restaurant is in. Oh, let's story tell about this historic district that we're in and here's stuff that happened back in the day. Maybe another is customer reviews and testimonials, like showing how great your restaurant is. All these different kinds of things that is not just a picture of a burger 300 times. Um, and so we work to create those custom content strategies with my client that's relative to whatever their business is, whether they're a salon owner or a dog walker or a, an actor or whatever. And then we create a mood board that shows them, you know, what their aesthetics should look like. Here's some starter Canva templates that you can then edit on your own yep. to keep it going. And we also set them up with um, several months of calendar prompts where we're basically okay. taking the work away from them and saying, this is, this is what you're going to post about today. And if they do it, they do it. If they don't, they don't, but at least they don't have to think about it. They know what they're going to write about that day. Um, and that's been a really, really good, um, service for us because people, I want to help everybody, but I understand that not all businesses are ready to invest in a retainer service mm -hmm. to have somebody on to manage this for them. But this is like a one-time service where then they're all set up and they feel like they have structure and a plan and they know what to do and they can just do it now or give it to somebody to do. Um, so that's the content strategy piece that we do. And then, like I said, brand design, you know, a full brand identity suite where we're setting you up with your logo, plus all your social media graphics, your website graphics, your email graphics, um, letterhead, business card, all of that. And then the web design. Um, and then we, you know, if people come to us with, um, questions or they don't know what they need or whatever, we normally will go on a, discovery call. And part of my job is 
to help diagnose because sometimes they think, oh my God, my website sucks. I need a new website. And it's like, do you though? Like, let's <laughs> talk about it. Yeah. Um, and then by the end of the conversation, it's like, no, I don't need a new website. I just need a strategy or no, I just need to change. I want to change my branding or I want to change my copy. Um, and so that's part of it too. And that's important to me because I get very frustrated when, uh, you know, a business owner is burnt out or frustrated with their, uh, messaging or, or sales or whatever. Um, you know, and I look at their site or their social media or their emails. And in two seconds, I see exactly what's wrong. Mm -hmm. And I don't care if they hire me or not. I just want to tell them, like, do you know that, that all the links on the main page of your website are all broken? Do you know that your Google listing has the wrong store hours? Do you know that your Google listing has three bad reviews on it that you didn't answer? Do you know that your social media link is broken or, you know, um, your whatever, whatever the thing is, you know, I like to not in a rude way, but <laughs> to just tell them like, just so you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I really enjoy doing that. And part of the other piece of my business is I'm trying to grow the education side. So what I was saying before about sharing what you know and giving advice and sharing tips and stuff, um, I'm heading in the direction of adding online courses and online resources to my business for other business owners who, again, may not be ready to hire us, but I could say, but you can take this course, but you can download this, you know, this guide, you can buy this, this packet that'll help you. Um, and I also have a free Facebook group too, where I give out tips and tricks and I do some tutorials on there and things like that. Um, just cause I like to, and I want to, um, so those are kind of the, the main things that we're doing. Um, and if someone wants to hire us for like a one-time, you know, strategy session of just whatever, like a brain dump kind of session, I love doing those too. Um, we do those where it's just, I sit with you for a couple hours and by the end you have like an action plan. Um, and I just like to help people figure it out. But what I will say is almost everyone that I talk to, no matter what kind of project it is, whether it's a design, a social media, um, art direction, getting more client reviews. That's another thing that we do. Um, anytime that I talk to anybody, they always say, I, I have no time. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Um, I just need someone to tell me what to do. And I'm good at that. <laughs> um, but I, but I, I love to help detangle, mm -hmm. you know, and just tell them like, you don't need those things. That's like a future. That's like yeah. next year, three years, five years. This is what you need yesterday. Mm -hmm. This is what you need after that. And then in the future, you'll be ready for that. Um, and I get the feedback a lot of times after a discovery call, even, and definitely after client calls, oh my God, this was like a therapy session. Oh my God. Like, thank you so much, <laughs> which is good to hear. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a bit about what we do. And, and then in terms of choosing about who I want to work with, um, you know, and who I want to spend time with, that's why the discovery calls are so important because sometimes people will send me, like, I have an inquiry form on my website where they can, you know, ask a general question about a project and I get an alert about that. Um, and I'll send back some initial information and I'll put, you know, my, my calendar booking link on there, um, if they'd like to continue the conversation. And that's been so key because sometimes people's uh, personalities just do not come through when you're typing. Um, 
And on the other hand, sometimes someone sounds great on paper, but then you meet on Zoom and it's like, mm, no. Um, <laughs> so I really, really love to click with people. And that goes uh, the same for like when I'm choosing a collaborator or a partner I want to work with on a particular project. If I have to hire a specialist for a particular thing, we always jump on zoom first because I want to make sure that we're vibing and good. Cause if you're not having fun with your team and if you're not enjoying the work that you do, then why are you doing it? And, and that's what I was experiencing a little bit in the beginning. Cause like I said, I wanted to help everybody. I wanted to take all the jobs I'm getting started, but over time it's uh it's been more curated and that's been good. Yeah. Cause it's again, so much goodness there. Um, one of the things that you're actually doing is you're bringing people's ideas and dreams to life. And you have, I think we're similar in this way is you have like the overview, like a really big overview, but you see all the tiny steps to get to that giant overview. Mm -hmm. And I find there are a lot of people that are like, I want to have the business. I want to have the success. I want to have the role. I want to have the show. Wake me when it's there. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you just go, yeah, but there's like all of these steps to get there. And if you don't take these steps, you won't get there. So like while some of the work might seem daunting or extremely detailed, wouldn't you rather take a small step for, to make something happen than just wait? And wouldn't you like to have some control over it? And that's all you're doing is you're saying, hey, do you want to have more control over your dream? Do you want to have more control over your vision? I'm going to help you get those tools to do that. And I just, I think that that's really great. And that must also give you so much like besides just the fact that it's your job, like emotionally, spiritually, as an artist that much, you know, give back so much when you see an idea come to life or something to actually actualize a business to succeed. I mean, that must give you such an incredible feeling. No, absolutely. And, and two points on that. One is that one of my favorite things to do, sometimes it happens during the discovery call. Sometimes it doesn't happen until we're actually working together if, if we do work together. But one of my favorite things to talk to them about, no matter what kind of business it is, no matter what industry, how big, how small, how long they've been in business, whatever, is to get them to think about and understand the assets that they may be sitting on that they don't realize. So for example, I always like to uh, use this one example of when I worked at this one uh, music venue is a historic venue. And, um, I had keys to various parts of the building just cause I needed them for different things. And, um, I worked in the offices upstairs. Uh, I can say it was Count Basie theater in Red Bank. I don't know why I was being weird about it. Um, but, but, uh, in Red Bank, New Jersey, it was built in 1926, beautiful, beautiful theater gone through several names, uh, over the years. And I worked there from, 2004 to 2011 and, um, had been there for several renovate uh, pieces of the renovation that have been ongoing this whole time, seat changes, new construction, all different kinds of stuff. And so, um, I worked in the upstairs offices during this one period that I'm talking about. And I would, um, we would always order lunch or 
get delivery or whatever. And, uh, sometimes I just wanted to just take a minute for myself. And so I would grab my lunch and I would go down the hall of the offices where I was at the time and the door at the end of the hall, um, when you turn the key, it opened up into the upstairs lobby of the theater. So for the people sitting in the balcony and the loge and things like that. And then if you went in the entryway, you were in the theater. And so I would just go in there and sit on the floor in the loge overlooking the stage, just because I wanted some peace and quiet and no one was in there. And I would just sit there on the floor and scroll on my phone and, you know, eat my, my tuna sandwich and, you know, just like, I just needed a quiet space. Meanwhile, it's this like huge 1500 seat theater. And I just loved that I was able to do that. But I also didn't really realize how special that was until I had mentioned it to someone at one point. And they're like, wait, what? You could just go in there. Oh my God. Like, that's so cool. And it was so cool. I just, and and I knew it was so cool. I just didn't, I took, I took it for granted. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so I would go in there and, listen to sound check and see artists loading in their concert, like huge, like really huge, famous people. Um, and that was so awesome that I had that access. And so that kind of story is exactly what I mean. Even if it's not like a historic theater or you're seeing Diana Ross or whatever, it's like, what is the story that's behind the scenes that is your everyday and your ordinary, mm-hmm. but not ordinary and everyday to the people who would love to have your job or would love to be in your industry or would love to, to have that point of view. Um, you know, people who are aspiring to become an artist or aspiring to own a business or aspiring to travel or whatever the thing is, you know, you, maybe you work in this, <coughs> excuse me, maybe you work in the city and you're, uh, you know, the, the view out your window has like an amazing view of the sunset every day, you know, right down, uh, fifth Avenue or I don't know, whatever. And, you know, you could just share that picture because that's just your reality every day. Like, let me just take a picture of this view. And that's really special to somebody who lives elsewhere or who doesn't have that experience. And so just think about that as an artist, as a business owner, as a producer, as a, whatever, what are the things that people, on the outside would think are so cool and special to, you know, what you get to see every day. Um, I think celebrities are really good at that, you know, like showing their dress fittings and showing their travel or, you know, something cool that someone sent them or whatever. Um, but how can you use those lessons in your own way? Um, so I just, I love, I love that, you know, being able to, to point out like, do you realize you have all this historical stuff just sitting over here? Like this could be an interesting story. This could be an interesting little exhibit or memento. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really, really love to encourage people to think about that um, and go to their archives or go to their, you know, news clippings or back in the day pictures or whatever, um, which is really, really key. Um, but also in terms of the satisfaction level of seeing something take off or seeing something come to life. Um, very often it's, it's, it's great to put a vision out there and then see it happen, but it's also great when sometimes there's some happy accidents mixed in mm-hmm. or additional collaborators who then make it better than what you were originally thinking, you know? Um, 
And so something that we have done for two of our clients, which we're not, we're not interior designers, we're not architects or anything like that, but we do love to storytell and we love uh, to show things visually. I'm a super visual person. And also coming from the theater world with, not that I built the sets, but knowing how much of an impact beautiful sets and lighting and all of this can make. Um, and, and knowing even the lessons we can learn from huge window displays in retail and store displays in retail and, and all of that kind of thing. Um, we helped re-envision the facades for two of our clients how cool. um, to make them more exciting, inviting, colorful, welcoming, uh, more eye-catching, really. Uh, one is an acupuncturist up in Kenilworth. She has hot pink hair. She's punk rock. She's so fun. <laughs> and uh, her logo is like a giant cartoon head of an avatar of like that looks like her. Um, and she has the bottom floor of this office building in Kenilworth. And the inside of her store is beautiful. There's like an apothecary shop. There's a yoga room. There's treatment rooms. Um, there's plants and a huge David Bowie lightning bolt. And it's really <laughs> fun. But the outside was just like kind of plain brick with like mm -hmm. a sign. And I was just like, I can't have this. Like, this isn't right. Um, we, it just, it, everything should match. I want people to, to turn their heads when they drive by. You know, I want people to be like, what is going on over there? Why does an acupuncturist place have a hot pink door? What's going on? And so one day, this was probably like two years ago, I was just playing around in Photoshop. I didn't tell her I was doing this. I just was like, I have this thought in my head. I have to get it out and I'm just going to send it. And oh, well. So I <laughs> made this thing and I did a fake mock-up of the front of her building. I took a picture from Google Maps pasted it on there. And then I just started playing with color, <coughs> excuse me. And, um, you know, putting, uh, stickers on her windows and different things. And I just kind of laid it all out with the hot pink door. Um, and I sent it to her and I'm like, um, I'm like, Hey, um, I was bored and I was playing in Photoshop. I don't know. Here you go. And she was just like, Oh my God. She started painting the door like two days later. Wow. She, uh, immediately was trying to, um, you know, talk to her landlord about what can I do? What can I not do? She was able to do basically everything we wanted her to do, which was great. Um, and again, like to make that huge visual, um, I knew that we needed large graphics on the windows. I knew that we needed high contrast signage. I knew that we needed, there's only so much she can do because it, she doesn't own the building, but the point is that she was able to do way more than what she thought. And with very little investment and very little, um, effort really, because I was designing everything for her and we we're able to just like give it to the sign company. And she was able to have someone come and paint the door and it just made it, it extended her branding to the outward. Yeah. And so that was one thing that we had done. And then the other is the ceramics uh, studio that we work with. Same kind of thing. They <clears throat> had taken over a space that originally was basically this long kind of dreary warehouse, like a one story. Um, and they had turned it into a shop and the inside looked great, but the outside just kind of looked blah. And even they thought that. And 
Meanwhile, their branding is like rainbow tie dye and Mm. super fun. And the inside of the store is like all this paint and all this fun stuff. And, you know, kids there having their parties and families coming and doing holiday gifts and all this stuff. And I just was like, we just have to change this because they have this great spot on a corner on this like main thoroughfare in town. And you're just not noticing the store as you're driving by. And so same thing. I didn't tell them. I just was like, Oh yeah, we have some ideas for the outside. And I made this whole thing. And, um, the first thing, the first piece of it was originally their building was kind of this like terracotta color. And I'm like, we need to paint the whole building white because you have these black, um, awnings with the logo. So that looks good. Those two together. Plus it also is like white canvas, kind of like art-like. Then we're going to do this whole big rainbow mural on the side of the building. And then we're going to do a rock garden. We're going to do colorful plants. We're going to do these benches. We're going to do flags. And then we're going to, on the other side, have like an outdoor party area with multicolor picnic tables and chairs and paint buckets. And then we're going to do the word paint up the side of the building. And then we're going to have these dandelion uh, needles going across the thing. It was like very elaborate. And I sent it and she texted me and she was like, I'm crying. I'm crying. We're starting this. We're doing this. I don't even care. We're doing this. And so for the last probably six months, maybe more, um, they've been working on it and they just finished it (laughs) like, uh, last week. Um, and it differs a little bit from the original thing that I had made, but it's pretty close. And, they've been getting compliments ever since. And the main thing is that I wanted people to turn their heads when they're going by this corner. And that's what's been happening. And she tells me all the time, people are just raving about how it looks and blah, blah, blah. And that has nothing to do with what services they've hired us to do. It's just, I'm passionate about my clients. I see this thing that I feel like could be improved. I get the vision and I have to make it so. And if they do it, great. If they don't, fine. But at least I've shown them what I think is possible. And so it's happened twice now. And that's been very fun. (laughs) That sounds very exciting and goes back. I had said before, you're like a director. You're like a director producer because you're just like, I see the whole production. (laughs) How it should be. I will map it out for you. (laughs) It's true. That's how I feel. (laughs) No, but it's great too, because I think sometimes, um, and it doesn't matter what role you're playing in life, whether it's as a business owner or as a performer is sometimes we have our blinders on and we just need somebody to open those blinders a little bit and go, oh, wait, I'm actually sitting on all of this material that I can use, or I can recycle this content and make it something completely new. Or like you said, um, with the acupuncturist, he made a major change that didn't necessarily mean major dollars. Sometimes we're so afraid of making a change because we're like, oh, it's going to be expensive. Well, it'll probably take time, but time you have, you know? And as you said, if you have the strategy, if you have the idea, if you keep your mind open, you can actually achieve some really great things without being a multimillionaire. It's where you're using your creativity 
to create outside of the box of what people are thinking to get these ideas out there. And you just, you know, you go in and you kind of take everybody's blinders and you go, what about this? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, and I think too, that with that point, yes, it may cost some money. Let's yeah. see, let's think, let's get the facts of what that would look like. But also the whole point of doing this improvement or of doing this thing is because it's going to come back to you now so much more because now people know what you do or see your building or get what you are, or you're attracting your ideal audience by doing, by making that investment. Exactly. We are only getting started with Alicia. Stay tuned next week for part two of our conversation. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Create Outside the Box. Please follow us, like, and subscribe on Spotify, Buzzsprout, and now Apple Podcasts. And check us out on our Creative Operations YouTube channel, where you can subscribe to watch our interviews. For more information about Creative Operations, please visit www.creative-operations.org.